Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, before this episode starts, I want to talk about some pretty cool news. Oki Investigations now has its own website. It's truecrime.blog. And it is a running blog for crime stories and for this show. So if you're a true crime buff and you want to see some cool things that we gathered while researching each show, including a like timeline of events that we put together, uh, newspaper clippings, court documents, and much, much more, come check us out at truecrime.blog. One, two, three, Hello everyone and welcome to Oki Investigations. My name is Trevor Shelby. In this episode, we're going to take a ride on the Oki time machine once again because it's way back Wednesday. That's what we like to do around here. Today we're going way back to 1934 where a man is accused of poisoning his entire family. What happened? Why? And what happened next? But first if you're a first-time listener, to experience this podcast to its finest. Hit that subscribe button so when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. Then, head on over to our Facebook page. Here, we can discuss the case together and perhaps come up with our own theories on the many cases that will be featured on this show. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash Investigations. I hope everyone's having a wonderful week so far. I've been struggling with the return from vacation blues. I find myself wanting to take a nap every afternoon, which is not very helpful when you're trying to get a podcast done. But I suppose it just means I need to take another vacation here soon, so I'm probably going to work that out somehow. It's an endless cycle. But one thing that hasn't changed is my love for doing research. When working on this show, I typically start by searching for one thing or another and hone in on a story or something that I might think might be something good for this show. And while doing that, I stumbled onto something that was even better than the first thing I was searching. This is one of those cases. I was following a murder case, and that was like back in 1936, and it just so happened to be mentioned with this one, and I thought, wow, this one sounds way more interesting. So here we are. Now, for this story, we're going to have to go way back to May 3rd, 1934. It's right around 8.30 p.m. We're in a little town called Sepulpa, Oklahoma. You may or may not have heard of it. A man is doubled over in pain. He is quickly approaching the front door to a house. When he reaches it, he pounds on the door. The owner of the home quickly opens up the door and he sees his neighbor, Chester Barrett, who was in obvious pain. Chester screamed, My children are dying. Please hurry. Call a doctor. Any doctor. I think it's potamine poisoning. Now, this is an old term for food poisoning. Quickly, the neighbor called the doctor, P.K. Lewis, who was a local physician and surgeon. 
Now, after getting some of the details, Dr. Lewis decided to call in some help with the other doctors in town. He contacted Dr. McCollum and Dr. Schwab and told them to hurry to the Barrett home. It was at the home the three doctors found themselves in a literal horror show. Every member of the family was either dead or dying. The doctors did what they could. They recognized the symptoms of poisoning, but initially couldn't find any in the home. Then they thought to ask Chester about the night's activities. Chester told them that he believed that it was food poisoning. He then told doctors that a few of the children were not feeling well, and he gave them all a dose of Q9 in their milk to ward off malaria. When pressed, Chester admitted he had two bottles of the medicine, one old and one new, and mixed them together that night. Now, this puzzled doctors. Q9 was developed to fight malaria, but if taken properly, it was actually pretty safe. Actually, you can find Q9 in tonic water. If you're a fan of mixed drinks, then you've probably had the watered-down version of Q9. But according to what I found online, you would have to drink gallons of the stuff just to get to the dosage of one Q9 in pill form. And if you're drinking that many mixed drinks, you've got a much bigger problem on your hands. Shortly after, Chester then remembered he had a bottle of poison in the home that he had previously purchased. They looked for the bottle and found that it was empty. The label on the bottle read strychnine. Now the doctors knew what they were up against. Strychnine was one of the most dramatic and painful toxic reactions a person can experience, and it's been given to almost everyone in this family. The doctors decided the best course of action would be to pump the stomachs of the family to remove the poison from doing further damage. Before they could get started, Betty Barrett, aged six years old, drew her head back in agony and collapsed on the floor. She was dead. Mary Barrett, aged three, died while the doctors attempted to pump her stomach. It was then Dr. McCallum decided to rush little Wanda Barrett, who was only two years old, to the hospital, which was only a couple of blocks away. She died while in transit to the hospital. By the end of the night, the family of ten were now down to seven. Now, the next day, the police questioned Charles Barrett about what happened and why he had the poison in the home. Now, it might be hard to believe, but back then, strychnine was used as a medicine for a heart conditions. And this is what Charles told the police he had. He stated that two years ago, he had been prescribed the medical strychnine to treat his condition, but never used the entire bottle. Police let the media know that they were bringing Charles into the station for questioning, but they wanted to make it clear that he was not under arrest. They just wanted to clear up the situation to see what needed to happen next. But those of you who are true, true crime fans know that the police were going to go hard at Chester in order to figure out what really happened and see if it was an accident or not. At first, Chester stood by his story of mistaking the poison for medicine. But as the police began to question harder and harder... Chester began to break down and cry and began to hint that 
Not everything was how he first presented the story. After two hours of intense interrogation, Chester broke and confessed to what actually happened. As he told the story, the police had a transcriptionist take down his statement. My name is Chester L. Barrett. I'm 35 years old. I know that I do not need to make a statement that anything I say may, may be used against me. I make this statement voluntarily. My wife's name is Cora Lucille. I've been married since November 1st, 1920. I've lived in Sepulpa for a year working odd jobs. Last Monday night, I thought if we could all go to sleep and not wake up, God would forgive me. I began wondering what to do and to find some easy way for us all to go out easy. I did not talk this matter over with my wife. She did not know my plans. On Monday, I went to the cemetery and got two gallons of sweet milk. About four or five o'clock in the evening, I put a handful of arsenate of lead in it. I bought the arsenate of lead at Willie Mays last year for potato bugs. When I put the arsenate of lead in the milk, my wife was in the front room attending to the baby. When supper time came, my wife cooked some cornbread. My wife poured us all a glass of milk. I drank two or three glasses. I wanted to die at the time. My idea was I wanted to kill all of my children, my wife and myself. But no one died from the effects of that poison. At the time, I put the arsenic of lead in the milk. I did not know I still had the strychnine capsules at the house. I had not thought of them. I was looking through to see what would take us right quick and found this strychnine in a cupboard. It had been about a year and seven or eight months ago I bought it to kill rats. I had no idea of poisoning my family when I bought it. When I found the strychnine I went down and bought some Q9 at the Plymouth drugstore. The reason I did not carry out my plans on May 2nd was I loved my children so much I couldn't bear it. They were playing around me after supper and I could not get up the heart to do it. On the 3rd of May I decided to carry out my plans. We did not have any money to buy groceries and I did not know what we were going to do. After supper I decided to fix the capsules. It was about 7 or 7.30, a little bit before dark. There were eight capsules. I fixed them so that there would be enough for us all. I mixed the poison with a case knife and fixed eight little capsules and two big ones. They all had bad colds and my wife was going to give them castor oil. And I said to give them some Q9 to clear their heads. I did not think that they would be there in the morning to take the castor oil. I told them it was Q9 I was giving them. No one saw me when I mixed the capsules. No one knew what it was except for me. My idea was to kill myself, my wife, and our children, the entire family. It was five or six minutes after the capsules were taken before Betty Joy got sick. She was the first one that died. She died in 10 or 12 minutes. Mary was the next to die. I was holding Dorothy's head, and it struck me in the stomach and spine and head. I went to a neighbor's house and called the doctor. They were suffering so. 
After the confession, the police charged Chester with first-degree murder charges for the deaths of his three children. Chester then begged Sheriff Willis Strange to take his handcuffs off so he might run for it and they could kill him in his escape attempt. He wanted to die. The Cushing Daily Citizen reported on May 6, 1934. He told the sad story of how the shadow of poverty and starvation and hard luck had trailed him for five years. Barrett said his misfortunes began with the deaths in succession of his mother and brother. Then his house burned and he lost his job. He pulled out his left pants pocket and it was empty and had a hole in it. He pulled out his right and it held five coppers. In the palm of his hand, it was the only money he had possessed in weeks. I thought it was the best way out for all of us and it has turned out to be something that will haunt me for as long as I live. I couldn't atone for it in a million years. Chester had been out of work for two years. When police started searching their home, they reported that there was little furniture or food. There were only two blankets in the home for all 10 family members to share. It must have been horrible during wintertime. His original story of using the poison to treat a heart condition was actually a lie. He bought that poison months ago, allegedly to kill rats with it. Even with a confession, the police still suspected Chester was holding back some key detail. So they started digging into his life more and more. It was then they found about 19-year-old Hannah Johnson. Three years before the brutal poisoning, Chester Barrett began dating then 16-year-old Hannah Johnson. After the poisoning, Hannah believed that they would still be together. You see, for years, Chester had been telling her that he was going to get a divorce and would take up with young Hannah. Soon after dating, Hannah became pregnant, had a child with Chester. Before the trial started, Hannah told reporters that she intended to marry Chester when this was all over. She still loved him, and they would be together soon enough. The detectives also found out that just months before the murders, Chester took out a blanket life insurance policy on his family. He stood to gain $1,000 for every family member that died in his home. Remember, back then, for someone as poor as he was, that was a lot of money. A 1934 Ford Deluxe cost about $575 at its base back then. During the trial, Hannah seemed to smarten up because she then testified for the state against her once lover. She presented evidence in the form of love letters that were written by Chester that suggested he would be free from his family and responsibilities soon. The state sought the death penalty during the trial. Chester took the stand and argued that the confession was not true, that he did not mean to kill his family, and that it was all just a tragic accident. He denied that he did it for his love for Hannah Johnson, and argued that he would not also take the poison if he were trying to be with her. He loved his wife and family. It was all left up to the jury. They quickly deliberated for an hour and 25 minutes, and announced they had a verdict. They pronounced Chester guilty and then gave him the sentence of death. Reportedly, Chester received the news with no emotion. 
When stood up to be taken out of the courtroom, he slumped over and began to cry. When taken out of the courtroom, he collapsed, and a doctor was able to revive him so he could speak with a reporter. Chester stated, It was as I expected. My side of the story has not been told. I only started running around on my wife after she had driven me to it. A very pathetic excuse, if you don't mind me saying. Chester's attorney tried to request a new trial, but was quickly denied. Chester's appeals were also struck down. In a last-ditch effort, Chester tried to sway the governor of Oklahoma in a stay of execution. Chester's sister was able to get radio ads to play over a local radio stations that hinted at new evidence in his case. Letters were written to the governor that explained about the new evidence, but they all went unanswered. Chester's wife, who he had poisoned, also wrote a letter to the governor. She asked that there be no interference in her husband's death. She stated that he was guilty without a shadow of a doubt. The night of the execution, Chester had pork chops and coffee as a last meal. When entering the death chamber, he shook the warden's hand and handed him a letter. He then stated to those who were watching that he hoped that God would forgive those who prosecuted him and that he would provide for his small children. Chester was strapped to the electric chair at 12.07 a.m. and was pronounced dead 45 seconds later. The letter Chester handed to the warden was his last request. He wanted to be buried with a photo of his wife in his front pocket over his heart. I honestly think that the jury and the police got this right. Chester was very misguided. He was a poor man, and he was very, very extremely selfish. One of the things I really like about this show is digging into this kind of long and forgotten history uh, of Oklahoma. One of the things I was kind of amazed about is when you look for Chester Barrett, like if you do like a Google search for him, if you kind of search around, you don't find a whole lot of information about him. And what little is written about him, there's not a lot of detail about it. Uh, so I, I, I had a lot of fun with this one, finding all these details and kind of digging out all the truths here. Join me this weekend as we dig into another case from the dark side of Oklahoma's history. Make sure you guys subscribe so when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. And join us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Investigations. I'll see you guys this Sunday. See ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.